You have landed on The Substance, a podcast aiming at being biblical, thoughtful, and human. Join us each week as we engage the culture without the culture war. I'm your host, Trevor Aiken, and I'm joined by my friends, my co-hosts, my bros, Vincent Edwards. What's going on, Substance fam? And Philip Marinello. Hey, everybody. And joining us this week, special guest, you, dear listener. <laughs> it's been a minute. I don't know what all the release schedule is going to be like, but we've been, we had a couple weeks off because of like life transitions. And then we were like cranking guests. Yeah. And we love having dope guests on the show, but yeah. we're not trying to be a guest, a, an exclusively guest based show. So it's nice to be back with just uh, the core substance it's team. The core here. substance. Yeah. And. It's you, the core substance fans, and maybe the new substance fans who are the future core substance fans. There are lots of podcasts that you could be listening to, and we appreciate you guys. Super. Yeah, absolutely. Wanted to especially appreciate those of you who were giving us five stars. So we got two new five-star reviews on Apple Podcast. So shout out to, we got two listeners here. I'm going to read these real quick. Uh, one of them, I can see the full title. It says, Thoughtful and Balanced. Mm. Thank you. Uh, Summertime in the City says, I love the tone of this podcast as well as the subject matter they cover. Less hot takes, more thoughtful reflection. They prioritize scripture and don't elevate partisanship over biblical truth, but they also care about real people. Awesome. That's, That's awesome. Uh, yeah. it, it's awesome to hear people it's listen to the show, enjoy the show. Like It's cool to have seen it grown over the last several months, but like... To hear people say, hey, like, I really appreciate exactly what we're trying to do. So that's always encouraging. This show is the things that we're aiming to do. Thank you. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, exactly. And the second review, the title is adds value to my life, comma, feet, and then dot, 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 and I can't read it. Maybe I could read it on a browser. So Danny DeRoos <laughs> says, I've been really enjoying the Substance podcast. Uh, as a stay-at-home mom, I don't always make the time to read a ton of books, so the podcast is a great way to get encouraged and educated. I learn something every episode. These guys have a great presence that doesn't feel stuffy or pretentious. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Uh, I often find myself smiling along with them. Thank you, Trevor, Philip, and Vince. Nice. Thanks, thanks Danny. Shout out to Danny. Thank you for listening. Super good. And for sometimes people write us five-star reviews because we incentivize them <laughs> with giveaways. So or good we, at that. Sometimes I DM people particularly like, hey, you just said something great to us personally. Can you please write a five-star review? But both of those reviews just kind of came just organically because they, they liked the show and wanted to hit us up. So we appreciate that. 100%. So when we're like, hey, like maybe we should do a Reflex episode on the Good Samaritan, yeah. we, it kind of clicked with us all. Like this is something we talk about a lot. Like this would be mm-hmm. both great to do as a show and content, but also to a degree as like a lot of the topics that we come back to over and over relate to this yeah and i'm pumped for two reasons i mean one i love just jumping into a biblical topic into the biblical text especially as you might know if you listen to some of the topic toss-ups sometimes we'll jump in there and i know recently we went really long on one which was pretty awesome i always get geeked out over just getting to talk about the scripture on the podcast but then second yeah like you were saying this is just something that we continue to reference it has been so instructional for in our own lives. Yeah, definitely mm-hmm. behind the scenes. We're always pointing to Luke 10. We're always talking about this text and love your neighbor and the good Samaritan and go and do likewise and all of the things from this text. And I think the other thing that's interesting is just as we thought through this, we know that we've been in conversation with some listeners. I think this is almost a listener-driven topic as well. Mm -hmm. In a matter of speaking, sure. So we've had some listeners kind of reach out and definitely some in disagreement with some of the stands that we take. And we, as you hear us week in and week out, we encourage that because we, as you know, are not the authoritative guys. Not at all. We're not putting out all our credentials out there like, oh, you have to believe us. We're trying to reason with you in the scriptures and just in life in general that the things that we're saying are reasonable, are well-supported, and are true. Yeah, we're not trying to just be like a conservative or progressive talking point factory. Yeah. 
that's why we branded ourselves the substance the way we did. That's right. Because there's so many people just talking and getting worked up over a side's point of view. Yeah. Right. And, and so we want people to be able to go and have their own thought and interaction and wrestle with this. And so when you bring us disagreement, we don't take that as an affront. We take that as you're taking these as seriously as we do. I mean, don't just <laughs> don't just pull up in our DMs and insult us and drive away. But even if you do, <laughs> we'll be charitable. Like the, the first place we took it with that person who did that was, <laughs> yeah. was hey, did you have, was there more? Was there a thoughtful interaction? Did you like, have a reason why you said that? Obviously, yeah. you're very displeased, but why? Could you Could you help us understand more? Could we, like, it... That's really where it is. Like we always try to get to the heart, get to the substance with yep. folks and we try to be patient. So uh parable itself, I don't know what, like probably top three parables as far as like public knowledge and pulpit time. Wow. Um, yeah, at least that, if not yeah. number one. I would think maybe the prodigal son would be number one, but I feel like Good Samaritan, Prodigal so, Son, and the Soils. I would say the Good Samaritan has the widest reach outside the church as well, and that's why I would give it the I feel edge. like a lot of people just say prodigal, but a lot of people say Good Samaritan too. I feel like it definitely could be number one. Mm. Top two but then? Yeah. yeah. It's a contender for sure. And what we wanted to do with this is to kind of explain some of the ways that this text has informed our thinking and also defend it because there's people out here saying, this is not a social justice text. And we're always trying to say this is not a social justice podcast. But yeah, we're not. <laughs> we have a whole YouTube like that's been like a long running inside joke. Yeah. We have the uh, if you go on our YouTube channel, we have the not a social justice podcast playlist with all yeah. of our social justice <laughs> episodes yeah, exactly. that touch on social and racial justice topics. The aim of the substance is, as we say at the beginning, to be biblical, thoughtful, and human. It's not necessarily to put out all the latest social justice talking points no. or all of the latest social justice theological trends. Like that's that's not what we're here to do. We're not a social justice podcast. It's about truth. It's not about like social justice and racial justice are the things getting assaulted in public and and we're not about those things as much as we are about truth. So, right. so to all the anti woke folks who are who are tired of us being a social justice podcast, it's like y'all, y'all are the reason, y'all the reason we're a social <laughs> justice podcast. Like we're not a social justice <laughs> podcast, but if we are, it's your fault. It's yeah. your fault. <laughs> so stop whining. Get get on track, and let's all love our neighbors, guys. And I think that's when we get into this text. We want to we want to talk about how this text teaches something specific that the church needs to learn. And are, have we been seeing or hearing uh, anything that's kind of against that? Main point of the text, ultimately, um, is Jesus articulating, you know, who is our neighbor. It's mm -hmm. articulating in a deep way um, what that, what that law that we talk about is the law of love. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And it seems to go deep into, okay, well, what does that actually mean? And I think this pair, this parable gets to the heart of what that actually means. Yeah, no, I think that's that's right on. We, I like to say that this text is condemning neighbor limiting. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I I would say a similar emphasis. How do we please God? What does it mean to obey God as God has defined it? Mm -hmm. It's love God, love others, and then the parable itself kind of goes to what Trevor said. Mm -hmm. It it condemns our natural human tribal selfish tendency of limiting the scope of who our neighbors are. Yeah. And for the folks out there who might be hearing this and, and automatically thinking, Oh, I heard in my class or I heard from this famous sermon, or I heard from this famous preacher that what you guys are saying as the point of the text is, is actually not the point of the text. Well, just hold on for a second. Cause we're actually going to interact with a lot of those ideas mm -hmm. as we should. Uh, when somebody somebody has an idea of the meaning of the text and they have an idea of 
where that comes from in the text. We need to interact with that, examine that in light of proper Bible study method, what's called hermeneutics, and see what that leads us to, see what the principles lead us to. Not come to the text with our own meaning, but take the proper principles to the text that will allow us to uncover the meaning that is there. Is there inside it. So if you want, uh, some of you guys are probably driving. You don't not at a space where you can open up your 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 Bible. If you are at that space, you wanted to take a look at it. Uh, it's, it's not long. We can yeah, read it's it. in Luke Luke ten twenty five. But we're just gonna read this for you. I'm gonna read it out of the net because I think it reads real nice. Kind of defines some of the terms for us in there too. Makes it makes it a little bit easier. So starting verse twenty five, Luke ten. Uh, Luke writes, now an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus saying, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what's written in the law? How do you understand it? And the expert answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the expert, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, well, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, but when he saw the injured man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was traveling came to where the injured man was, and when he saw him, he felt compassion for him. He went up to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring olive oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And The next day, he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper, said, take care of them, and whatever else you spend, I'll repay you when I come back this way. Which of these three do you think became a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the religious law said, the one who showed mercy. So Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Mm -hmm. So powerful. So clearly not talking about how we love one another, right? It's about salvation. You know, people miss the the broader context of Luke's idea of discipleship. This story Luke puts together with the next story of Mary and Martha in serving, and it really is centering Jesus as the location of discipleship and what Jesus said about loving neighbors as the action of discipleship. Hmm. Agreed. What are some of the ways that you've seen people kind of come at this text with interpretation understandings that may be a little bit different than that, that kind of does angle it away from kind of some of the understanding we've been unpacking so far and more towards like, uh, it's just about this, this generalized evangelism event. Well, I would want to take a step back before we got kind of laser focused there and not trying to take shots at anybody. But I I think it is important to say, don't farm out your positions on these two famous pastors. Mm. We have had people engage us uh, privately and personally, and the argument isn't, here's how I understand the thrust of what Jesus was saying, and here's my contextual argument as to why you guys are wrong and you're just riding the woke train too hard. Literally, we've been told straight up, Mm -hmm. you, you can't use this to promote social justice or racial justice because this other pastor fill in the blank famous pastor that. says so mm-hmm. right that's farming out the work of engaging with the bible don't mm-hmm. do that don't do that for you yeah. yeah and i would i would add to that too that and and i think there's some topics for maybe a future episode there that would be good that there are ways in which if you're thinking that about a pastor, you might want to question the way that pastor is shepherding your heart and mind and spirit in the approach to the text. Because if what you took away from 
listening to a pastor's ministry over and over again is that he is the authority. He's essentially to infallible. interpret all of the scripture for you mm-hmm. and that you have to just trust into his care the interpretation of the text without being able to critically examine it yourself. Certainly, we need the support of the community of God. But no, they if, were given by God, like but if apostles, you, pastors, evangelists, yeah. shepherds. Like mm-hmm. these are all good things for our good. But if you have learned to unilaterally yield your interpretive, honestly, commission from God to on the text over to a man who might not even be your in-person Almost pastor, always somebody you don't know, somebody who you you listen to or you read or. You watch like online or books or podcasts. Like, just watch your own heart. But, but at the same time, too, there there might be things, and we'll do a podcast episode on this in the future, I'm sure, on tactics that that are going on in sermons that are leading you subtly to do that, and that you need to watch out for. So, yeah, just similar. be on guard in your mm-hmm. heart. We have to be under the conviction of the Word of God. We have to examine things critically. We have to bring stuff into community, so it's not just us wiling out, us coming up with our own ideas and just whatever's in our own head, but at the same time, we shouldn't hear it. Critically thinking Christians shouldn't say to other Christians, My this argument is the interpretation because this else guy says, says so. Like, Literally just, yeah. if he's right, then bring the arguments that he makes, <laughs> because it's the arguments that are right, not the man. Sure. Or woman. Yeah. And especially, like, no disrespect to our, our Catholic brothers and sisters. Yeah. Especially if you're a Protestant, to lift up a man as essentially infallible, like, that's kind of against our whole. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of out of touch with the, with the tradition, for sure. So yeah. the lawyer comes up, puts Jesus to the test, according to... Uh, Luke verse 20, uh, 10 verse 25. Um, it's a fine question. Like how, how do we have eternal life? Like how do we, how can man be right with God? Yeah. So what do you think about the lawyer's answer to that question? Jesus asked the lawyer, what's written in the law? How do you read it? The lawyer answers that. So I'm looking specifically at verses 25 to 28. What is the lawyer saying? And, and what is his answer and Jesus's response teach us? So Jesus asks this question, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answers, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus responds, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So do we understand how God has revealed himself through his word of how he desires to be obeyed? And mm. to start, this, this guy obviously knows the law, mm-hmm. but just having the mere knowledge of the law is not the center point of what grants us eternal life, because mm-hmm. his response after giving that uh, response of what the law was how he, and how he reads it, he says, you answer correctly, do this and you will live. And he didn't say, you've answered correctly, and because you know this, you will live. But it's, mm-hmm. it's calling this, this lawyer to, to action. So that's, that's, okay. that's yeah. a point that I, that I see in that. So a question that I think needs to be asked here is, the lawyer starts with, how do I inherit eternal life? And the answer that he ends up giving to his own question is, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, in summary. Is that how one inherits eternal life? Well, <laughs> yes, but no. As many famous pastors have said over the years, um, this isn't replacing the gospel of the atoning work of Jesus on the cross, but the the idea of the requirement to be right with God is obedience, and the heart of obedience is love. Jesus did that on our behalf, but as people who are right with God, this, this should be things, like he says at the end, go and do likewise. If we are children of God, this will characterize us. Like James, yeah. we, don't, 
we don't obey to be saved. We, we obey because we are saved. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who approach this verse. I've seen this happen where they get into this verse and they see this question and answer and that immediately sets off their alarm bells. Because like, oh, he's giving a formula. Like, that's not the formula. Do this and you will live. Well, nobody does this. This is law. So he's giving him the law. And the point of the law is that we know how broken we are. And so the whole (laughs) point is that you can't love the Lord your God with all your heart. And you can't love your neighbor as yourself. And so the Samaritan sets up the impossible standard so that you know that you need faith in Jesus to save you. And to that, all of that, we say, Jesus says, you answered correctly. And then at the end, he says, go do likewise. Like Jesus says, Jesus is affirmative. So what you're saying is different than what Jesus is saying and what Luke has written down and narrated Jesus as saying in this text. Mm. And so the problem, you have to be very cautious Listeners, you have to be really cautious when someone goes into a text and out of discomfort for what the text says, overrides the what message says. of that text with the message of a different text. Yeah, because that's, that's when we, like you mentioned earlier, when we're talking about Bible study or hermeneutics, if you're having Scripture fight e- each other, one passage mm-hmm. fighting another point of passage, it's really not a good way to read the Bible. Right. So this text is not about sussing out the means of salvation, namely grace alone through faith alone. Because that's, right? that's not in this portion of Scripture. That's not here. Yeah. It's, that's not what he's saying. Jesus is centering... So Jesus is taking this classic text of Old Testament faith. And, and let's, let's make sure that we understand clearly as well. These two statements, the one that comes out of Deuteronomy and the other that comes out of Leviticus, the love your, the Lord your God comes out of Deuteronomy, love your neighbor as yourself comes out of Leviticus. Those texts were not themselves teaching work salvation either. Mm-hmm. They were teaching that the never people who put their faith in the promise of God would respond to that in this way, mm-hmm. that this is what true, faithful religion looked like. And the Scripture teaches that there is a holiness without which anyone will see the Lord. That, In other words, true belief will produce right living. It's the fruit. Like, we always talk about good fruit and bad fruit. Mm-hmm. If your, your roots... Are are in the the good soil. Like if you have good roots, you will produce this yeah. good fruit. Your yeah. salvation isn't earned, but the Lord does teach that He will, according to Romans, render to each one according to his deeds. Now, what do you say to a person who hears what you just said? You know, right living. It's it's not a works based thing, but God does call us to a standard of right living. How do you then put in that barrier? for the person who immediately wants to attach themselves to legalism and then start to embrace like, okay, now we have to start living this very rigid, very strict, very away from the culture kind of life in order to make sure we have that right living. I just say, look at the Bible and and see what happens when that happened. Jesus had harsh condemning words for the religious groups of people that did those things. Well, and and, and I'd say another thing too is just come back to... What Christ has called you, like rest in Christ's finished work, right? That's what the scripture calls us to do. And second, when you're talking about all that isolationism stuff, also seriously investigate whether that is what the text calls you to in righteousness, or does it call righteousness something different? Mm -hmm. So I think those would be the two things I would say to somebody who is who is feeling that pull of legalism is. Uh, understand that the work on the cross, what Jesus did in salvation, that's what saves you. We're not saying any of this saves you. We're saying that this is the expression of a faithful life that has put trust and allegiance in Jesus. Yeah, this is mm-hmm. what a God-honoring life More than like. that, I'm saying that's what Luke is saying. Yeah. So, so in Martha, the, the situation in the very next text, and I'm bringing that in because these are contextually tied, she kind of gets in trouble because she's serving a lot and loses focus on Jesus. 
And so the point is we have to maintain the focus on Jesus, but we also have to avoid this kind of dead ritualistic religion that has no compassion on the needy. Mm -hmm. That's why these two texts stand together. That's why they were placed together in Luke. That's why Luke wrote them this way. I mean, what's the argument for the people who say this is not a text that supports or encourages social justice? Where's the disconnect, both scripturally and logically? I think two things. One in what we've already said, they, they trip up over this initial part. They think, oh, well, it's this whole thing about personal evangelism. And they're half right about that. The lawyer does seek to justify himself, verse 29. Sure. Mm -hmm. But the way that Jesus is tearing that down is by calling him out for his unfeeling religiosity. Yes. He is the religious. And so if we He's have, the Pharisee and the Levite. And so if we come away from this text then with an interpretation that doesn't call out unfeeling religiosity, then we've disconnected from the author's intent hmm. because that is the meaning of the text. If we come away from the text that just says a general believe in Jesus and you will be saved, then we have missed the point of this text because even the lawyer had the basic promises of God expertly understood sure. and thought that he was in the community of faith. The story is to show him this neighbor limiting that you're trying to do actually proves that you're not within the community of faith. You are not fulfilling the heart despite of God's Despite your law. theology, despite your biblical expertise, despite your believing the right things, the fact that you're trying to neighbor limit shows that you lack the compassion that is in tune with the heart of God that would be resonant with a person of faith. Yeah, you are not loving the Lord your God. You are not loving your neighbor as yourself when you are trying to, especially when you're trying to like ratify it with the religious language, but when you are, are taking pains and maneuvering so as to, to limit the scope of who your neighbor is so that you can pick and choose and limit the people who you love, you, you prove that you, you are not walking. In that way, you are not walking the path. So I want to maybe just pivot a tiny, tiny bit to a bit of practicality of, of a person listening to this, a listener hearing, you know, the term neighbor limiting, and they, they might not know what that is, or it's possibly not something that they're doing intentionally. What does that look like? Kind of expound on what, what does it look like if a person is neighbor limiting? I mean, we see that a lot, right? Yeah. Especially with, you see this with social issues where you have a church that has programs to where they maybe take care of the needy people and the widows who are believers or who are members of note in their body. Like, oh, like we all know XYZ guy or gal. They're, they're a brother, they're a sister, and they're in need. That's going to be our ministry to the needy. Not looking around in our community like Jesus and having compassion on folks who are in need. Like, we're going to say, no, we're only going to love these people, and we don't need to love those other people. Yeah, I think, I think it comes from the ways that the church asks the question, who is my neighbor, and, and tries to define that in really precise ways. I hear it all the time, like, well, the church, we're only— That's not to, our job. That's not our job. We're only supposed to care for believers. Um, it's not our job to, to be a welfare for the world. It's not our job to be a charity— that's not the church's mission. The, our, our mission is the Great Commission. And so we're not to do any of that. So, for example, like, like the church that you found, Philip, that was saying, oh, we, our job isn't incarnational, it's proclamational, which is a big way to say our, our job isn't to represent the presence of Jesus in mercy on this world, but just to be a big billboard sign that says this is the gospel. Yeah, we have mm -hmm. our... Uh... Our, our, our gospel propositions that we just kind of fire at people. And I mean, the Holy Spirit will let them hit who they're supposed to. Like, that's it. That's all we do. We shoot out messages. Yeah. I saw another church that had a philosophy of ministry statement that basically 
it had two sub points and both of them were evangelism, just personal and personal evangelism. So not that the church was going to organize in any way to go share the gospel, but just here's how the individual believers in the church should share evangelism and how they live. This is how they should share evangelism and how they act and, and talk and explain the gospel. And at the end, it, re- it literally said at this very tiny section explaining how this was the sum total of how this church was explaining their philosophy of how they were going to reach out to the world. So it, one, it was all evangelism. And then two, the three points on how they were going to accomplish that was one, our leaders will personally evangelize. Second was they'll explain to the church how to know the gospel, which in practice ends up being, can you share your, can you tell your testimony and can you give four points that summarize the gospel? And then the last point literally said that they were going to trust that a high view of God and a knowledge of the commands of scripture would imbue them with joy so that they would fulfill the personal responsibility of the great commission of proclaiming the gospel. <laughs> and so it's literally literally in that point you're just saying, okay, we're going to have the leaders do it. We're going to give you some basic instructions so that you know what the gospel is in your own testimony, and then from there we hope. Like I wonder how many other aspects of of holiness and Christian living they like churches approach that way. And 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 if evangelism was the sum total of how the church was supposed to reach out Live to the, in the world. world. Yeah. Even if that was the case, that would be anemic because the scripture says that it is the responsibility of the leaders of the church to shepherd the people in the church to full maturity. And so that would require that there is some way, if this is so pivotal of a thing that it's part of the Great Commission, the leaders have an obligation in the Great Commission to make disciples, to teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And so they have to train them up. And you can't train them up unless you're actively teaching them and leading them out to do it and holding them accountable Hmm. and following up and giving pointers and feedback on how it went and helping them understand all of the things that go in it. Like, how are they going to form relationships? How are they going to be a neighbor to the people next to them? How are they going to reach out to people? How do they have compassion on the loss? How do they have a good navigating the relationships at work and those kind of things and, and be a minister that like, when we don't answer any of these questions, we're completely anemic on the evangelism front itself. But outside of that, there's plenty of scriptures like this one and others in the gospels, the elders, when they, we all the time, let me say this all the time. I know I'm going off. I'm sorry. All the time we use Paul and his missionary journeys as an example of what the great commission looks like. Don't we? Often. Paul in Galatians describing his missionary journey says the, the elders in Jerusalem sent me out saying, only remember the poor. And Paul says, the very thing I was eager to do. Yeah. The emphasis was he, like, I was, I was eager to do this He considered thing. part of his great commit. The thing that we say was him living out the great commission was remembering the poor. That's what he said. But Trevor, I, I write a check to an organization. I give my offering at church. I participate at the soup kitchen every now and again, um, maybe once or twice a month, um, or, or an organization. Twice a month is might... quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it, what do you say to that person who's saying, well, I'm not, I don't think I'm limiting my neighbor because I, I either fund a particular um, mission or ministry that I can't personally go do so i'm i'm making sure that the others who can go do it they are supported and funded that way and then every now and again i carve out a bit of my time to serve the the minority groups or maybe just the poor or underserved like aren't i doing enough i i, I don't think this is about doing enough or not doing enough okay i think this is about what i want to establish for people is 
do we try to define our neighbors and limit who our neighbors are like the lawyer did? Or do we think like Jesus did and flip it and say, who proved to be a neighbor to him? The one who showed mercy. The one who shows mercy proves to be a neighbor. And so my point isn't do enough. That's not the point. Mm -hmm. We can't do enough. That's like the false gospel on the other side. Correct. Like there's the falseness that we directly want to address with this of like, well, you don't need to do anything in order to be right with God. But then the other people are like, no, like the whole world's problems are on you. Mm -hmm. And like Mm -hmm. be homeless, don't have possessions. Like that's also not it. No, no, no. But the, the point is, have you limited the scope of what a neighbor is so that you could shut off your heart to the needs that you know exist? Mm -hmm. Or do you allow the heart of mercy to drive your actions and who you prove to be a neighbor to? Yeah, that's a good way. Like, are you cultivating a heart of mercy rather than are you doing enough? Right. Because, like, we all have so many hours, so many dollars, so much energy. Yeah. Like, it's not about literally depleting yourself in every category for the needy. Mm -hmm. It's like, are are you engaged in this? Are you are you? Are you cultivating an obedient heart and obedient actions towards this command? Yeah. Now, just jumping into the story really quick, I think this is the part that most people actually understand pretty well. So there's a guy, he's going on a dangerous road, he gets beat up and robbed, and he's left for dead. And then two people, Jesus sets it up so the two people from the religious establishment that the lawyer would empathize with, that he would identify with, come down the road and pass by on the other side. But the but these religious people who you would who, think who knew the law, would, who knew yeah. love your neighbor as yourself. They right. they knew that since they were children. So it's like, oh great. Yeah. They know love your neighbor is like mm-hmm. key to the law. Sure. This whole thing would break down if these actions weren't relatable to the lawyer. The whole reason why this this story makes sense for the lawyer. Why Jesus told this story to this man. Is that the lawyer has to understand that his asking the question, who is my neighbor, is the kind of thing that a religious person walking on the other side of someone who needed help does. Just let that sit for a second. They find religious Hmm. theological reasons. We're not given them in the text, but it doesn't matter. The one we're given in the text is the lawyer asking, who is my neighbor? Mm-hmm. He's like, let me put limits around who this is. So, like, so, so commentators have studied, and they've they've come up with lots of suggestions on theological reasons that a uh, hypothetical Pharisee or Levite would give, or priest, I should say, and Levite would give. And I think those are good. Um, we don't need to go into all those, but we, but just know, like, whenever they pass by, there was obviously some sort of theological justification that they were giving themselves that allowed them to say. This guy is not a neighbor. Mm. This guy doesn't belong to that category of people that God has commanded me to love. So therefore, I'm fine in ignoring them. I can ignore the like the literal pleas from help from a a a beaten, hurt man in the street. Mm. Right. That's the point. When our religious system gets so nuanced and technical. When we start being able to poke holes in the kind of service we're going to do and not do by, by carefully defining what is the mission of the church, and we do all this big study, and what it really boils down to is that the people who are needy in our community around us, and their cries can fall on deaf ears, and we can actually feel justified in it. Well, and so, like, bring this back practical. We're talking about this a lot because of the pushback we've gotten for the social gospel or the social justice or the racial justice when, like, we're saying, hey— there are people who are experiencing injustice. So, like, for God, example, God cares about that. Yeah, let's be real and then concrete. Actively or past, like, knowingly or unknowingly, what a lot of believers do is like, well, the gospel doesn't mean that we need to advocate for them. We just need to, like, do good in our own communities. Right. And to give a concrete example, so imagine you had a church that was in a community that was heavily influenced by 
segregationism so by by like whites only laws in the HOAs and stuff like that. Say, hypothetically, hypothetically, as if that, the, that's not most metropolitan all, American all the cities. Way up, let's say hypothetically all the way up to say 1987 or 89. <laughs> um, if that church had had looked at the issue of their church's demographic as no, this is not our problem. The fact that our church is all white has nothing to do with us. And the fact that, you know, it's not bad. Like the, we, yeah. we're not in charge. And the fact that no one, like we, they have, we have no responsibility to advocate for racial justice in this place where racial injustice was done. And the, and the folks who are shut out of opportunity, who are shut out of network with us, who are shut out with, in these other areas, not not just because of the past, but also because of present ideology, we have no obligation to them, even though they're a half mile down the road. And they're our actual air neighbors. Like, we can see them. Yeah. Like, this isn't like a guy goes viral for an injustice in another state and people are hashtagging and marching in other cities. This is like, no, this is no. your backyard. This is like, yeah. Let's let's go two two miles west from from the actual walls of the church. That would be an instance of of where yeah the racial justice questions should be being asked by that church. And if hypothetically, and if they're not being asked, you have to wonder how are they defining those how are you people justifying the, as not their neighbor? Yeah, how, how are, are they you, limiting? How are you justifying removing yourself from those? Mm-hmm. Uh, conversations and trying to pursue those, yeah. the solutions that would help. Yeah, i.e., who is my neighbor? Yeah, exactly. Is, is what's being asked. Now, I want to I want to be careful too because we can observe from the Samaritan. He didn't solve every need. He didn't journey around running a charity. He didn't start a charity called Samaritan's Purse, where he just had a purse, and it was his, and and he just would give people joke, money out of level it. Level ten, right there, all the time. He didn't do that. He was doing his, he was just on his business. It was as he journeyed, verse 33 says. It was just literally. It was like, oh, here's something in front of me that I can do good. So, so here's what happened. He saw a need and he was presented by God providentially with the opportunity to meet that need because of where he was in that time and place. That need was presented before him in an urgent way. Yep. Okay, so this isn't, he read or heard about some need on the other side of the world, and now he has to quit his job, quit his journeys, and just only go do that stuff, right? Once again, that's not, that's not in this text. We're being very clear. Mm-hmm. But he had the need that he saw, he had the opportunity to meet the need, and he had the ability to meet it. Then he met it. You know, and he provided generously because of that. Yep. That's what we're talking about. And the punchline, Jesus tells a story, and, ve- and straight up, Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the clear and obvious, the only thing you could say is like, well, the one who showed a mercy. And then the punchline is Jesus said, go and do likewise. Yeah. Do that. Yes, you're right. Not the religious people who came up with reasons why not to show love, not to show compassion, not to to get involved and to help. The one who helped. And that's what you need to do if you want to obey the law. And notice, go and do likewise. Do. Go and do the same. Don't just believe. Don't go and believe like the Samaritan believed. Like, do. His, his whole thing, you answered correctly. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as ding, yourself. Ding, ding, ding. You got the right answer. You got to love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. To, if you, and here's the deal. If you believe Jesus, in other words, you think he is the Lord and you want to follow him, this is how he is defining following him. Hmm. Yeah, you can't really say, I want to follow Jesus. You can't oh, great. say, what are you, you going to do? Man, whatever Jesus, I want. And then you're going to follow him in your own made up way. That's not exactly. following Jesus. That's following your idols. Boom. Yeah. Kind of um, tying it all back in. So, practically today, how a person hears this, let's say the Lord convicts them and they say, you know what? I have been neighbor limiting and I don't want to do that. I want to take the limitations off of that. And so what's the encouragement with a proper understanding of this parable to apply it to today's current situation in light oh, of in light the of pushback. pushback? Okay. Yeah. I mean, men are just men. Like, don't, don't worry. Like, 
Don't worry. Maybe that's like my strong seven coming out. It's like they're they're wrong. Like to oh, I thought you were saying something along the lines of boys will be boys. I was like, oh my dude, no, 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 no. Like, over here. what do you do? Like, if you you feel convicted to obey God, and then some people who also claim your faith are like, that's not obeying God. That's wokeism. Like, all right, like, no. Yeah, and we'll link one of the sermons here that um, we're we were interacting with, but one of them was saying Spicy. that. Social justice is not the issue. Righteousness is the issue before God. As if, and as if there's a distinction. And what there. we're saying is that there's no distinct, like that. Literally in the in <laughs> the original language, yeah. Literally, it's the same word for justice and righteousness. Literally in the original language. This so, is a justice issue, not a righteousness issue. Like, or, or this is a, this is a, a righteousness issue, yeah. not a justice issue. And like, if you're all big into the the Greek text, that's the same word. Mm-hmm. Right. So literally, yeah, it's a righteousness issue. You're you're absolutely right. That's literally what Jesus and we are saying. It's That's it. It it is about how you're living out rightly before God and so it's not just an optional issue. Yeah, it's not about just feeling bad or whatever. It's not necessarily to shame you. It's to get people who have shut people out of their hearts of compassion through religious finagling to feel convicted about that so that they would have compassion. So here's what you can do. You want to know what you can do. Here's what you can do. One is study up what what are the needs around your city? What are the charities that are taking care of those, right? There's there's all sorts of ministries that you can get involved in, whether it's prison ministries, whether it's homeless ministries, whether it's things like that, you can get involved. And the point is to build relationships and to care for folks, right? There's all sorts of things like you can do with that. Second, you can have a conversation. Is your because here's the deal. This is something that Jesus has commanded. And so it's something that the church should be actively and structurally shepherding its people on. Yeah. Boldly mm-hmm. talk to folks like in spiritual leadership and ask them, like, hey, like, what's our what's our game plan to like yeah. follow Jesus? Ask for the leadership that the scripture says you should be receiving on these issues. Ask for it. Because it's right to seek that out. Do it in a good tone. Do it respectfully. These are your Mm -hmm. elders, but hold them to the standard of the Word of God, right? It's not about you. It's not about us. It's about the authority of the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And so just take them in in humility to the text and say, help me understand what we're going to do about our obligation here to do likewise as a church together, because I want to do this in fellowship. I want to do this in community. I want to do this under your leadership. I don't want to go up and have to make it all up on my own and lead my own thing necessarily. I mean, I'm happy to do so. I'm not going to, you know, just like Jamar said a few weeks back, I don't need permission to do what's right, but, mm-hmm. but it would be great to have leadership. Yep. And I think you, you do that, and, and maybe, you know, if that's, if that's not welcome at the place that you are, you seek that leadership out. But I think if there's, as God has gifted you, or once again, the Samaritan saw the need, he, and he had the opportunity to do something. So what is that for you? What's the thing that's the need nearby for you? What's the opportunity? And then how can you engage your ability to meet it? That Not everybody's rich like the Samaritan where you can just pay two months' salary to, to keep somebody up in an inn and then say, hey, whatever you spend, I'll, I'll pay it back. Not, not all of us have that ability to take care of folks. No. Mm-hmm. So and if you do, we're going to have some links for you at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you have time. You know somebody. You have networking. You have um, your friendships. You have, you have things that you can mobilize well, sometimes it's in even a heart just, of compassion. Yeah, sharing awareness. It can be easy when you come to see needs to like feel like you have to do everything. Yeah, yeah. and it, I think the good thing about passages like this and kind of re-examining it and being convicted is the grace of knowing that maybe just maybe I had a blind spot and mm-hmm. God was gracious enough to show mm. me where that blind spot was. Amen. And now I'm given an opportunity rather than resist it. Cause that's usually the initial response to conviction. It's like, no, my flesh is my flesh and I want it to be that, but we have an opportunity to, to, to receive that conviction and then have that lead to repentance, like scripture says. 
And then understanding that though we are not called to be perfect, we are not called to, because we're not going to accomplish perfection on this side of heaven, but it is one that seeks to put God in the light that he is. And so we ought to realize that and we ought to respond in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Final thoughts, Trev? Final word for me is just Proverbs chapter 14, verse 21. I just want to point out the connection here. You know, we're talking about neighbors, how to treat neighbors, love your neighbor. This is what the scripture says. The one who despises his neighbor sins, but whoever is kind to the needy is blessed. Mm-hmm. Do you notice the parallelism? He's saying the one who despises his neighbor that's the person who is unkind to the needy. And I will I'll jump back in with one more final thought to piggyback on that. We we talk a lot internally about that dynamic that we see sadly at play a lot. And that says clearly what the parameters are and if you find yourself with the uh, knee-jerk reaction to, what does it say, to despise your neighbor and by implication not be kind to the needy. Like if your knee-jerk when you hear about needs is to like come up with like a re- like all the reasons to why that's not your problem, you don't need to get involved. Then like, what identity is supplanting your ho- your supposedly primary identity as a child of God? Mm-hmm. What allegiance besides God is causing you to do that? What are you committed to inappropriately that is driving that thought process? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this isn't about work your way to heaven, but nope. this is about are you resting in the finished work of our Savior by following in his footsteps, not just the footsteps of the Savior that we made up in our mind? Amen. So... Good episode. Yeah. And uh, a good time to kind of bring back a classic that we haven't done in a while. Some substance yeah, shout outs. Am I right? Well, I mean, we do substance shout outs, but we haven't got to do them in a while. Sometimes we'll be like, <laughs> all right, guests, we haven't done one in a while. Yeah. We, we, we got our lists piling up here. Well, yeah, that's right. And especially if we remember to make them. Um, so I'm an Apple fanboy. That's what I'm going to start with. And okay. Apple rolled out this really cool thing in Apple Music this week, which makes Apple oh, Music yeah. the premier listening service, which is spatial audio. I'm sure everybody's going to have it rolled out eventually. But for now, I'm just going to say this Dol- the Dolby Atmos stuff, it's like taking the music and it's like, whereas before in stereo, it sounded like maybe it was on a stage in front of you. It's very immersive. It's like you're in the room with the music, like on stage. It's really crazy. It's something you have to experience. Trevor's explained this to me. I have yet to really fully, maybe tonight you can play some for me. Yeah, you got to get your headphones and you got to jump onto Apple Music and hit up their spatial audio playlist. Some some stuff have it right now. More and more artists, I'm sure, is going to be releasing or remastering old albums with this technology it sounds so good. You got to check it out. That's awesome. Sweet. Vince, what you got? So um going to dive a little differently because um, I don't think I usually shout different out Different diving pot. with Vince and So that's going to be, so it's not be, gonna be music? or It's not going to be music, actually. Oh, my um, goodness. But it's also not going to be comedy. It's not going to be an athlete <laughs> turned comedian? <laughs> Or a musician. Hey, give, you better put some respect on Spice Adams. <laughs> no, I, I've been following him. I've been. You got me to follow him. He's, he's got some amusing stuff. He's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, it's uh, so Dave Chappelle, Yasin Bay. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's also known as Most Deaf and Talib Kweli, who's That's also a rapper. Uh, they have a podcast out, and it's called yeah. uh, The Midnight Miracle. Midnight Miracle. It's yeah. actually pretty good. Like he told a story, and obviously, guys, it's you Dave surprised? Chappelle. He says I actually, mean, Dave Chappelle actually made a good thing. Bro. <laughs> oh, shots fired. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just like. <laughs> I guess it's not surprising that he did that it's 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 actually good but um just the storytelling aspect of it obviously you know use caution if if you are um particularly bothered by language cuz there's the there's going to be some language in there 
Um, but man, it's 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 very good. I'm glad he started a podcast. Um, so shout out to uh, Midnight Miracle. I love Dave Chappelle. I was excited. I was hoping that like this isn't just going to be another celebrity doing a thing. Like it seemed like he's really doing something interesting with it. Yeah, it's it's genuine and it's it's actually pretty good. So check that out. So my substance shout out this week. I am kind of the big uh, film and TV guy, and I've got two children at home, and my my watching has been. very, very, very sparse, but I just saw that on HBO Max, finally, the end of season one of Primal is up, and I've been slowly watching those. It is a nearly, I mean, it's basically like a silent television series. Each episode is its own story, and they're all kind of beautifully animated. If anybody's ever seen uh, Samurai Jack, it's the same creator of that, so it's Mm. in that style. Also, uh, interestingly, same creator of Dexter's Laboratory. Um, So yeah, Gendy Tartakovsky. It's really good. It's (laughs) about basically like a caveman and a dinosaur who find each other through very brutal circumstances. I'll say, I mean, there's violence on TV and film all the time. Like Some of this is it's called primal like it's a yeah. very brutal show but um it's just a really beautifully done show that's very human like we talked about biblical thoughtful mm. human mm. it's a very human show about the bond and how these two creatures who in a lot of ways are each other's best friends they're depending on each other for survival and kind of living in a hard landscape with all these different threats it's it's a really enjoyable show if you can handle the peril, I would say. Check that out. It's And it's beautifully, beautifully animated. Nice, dude. That sounds great. Putting that in the queue. All right. So that's our show for you guys this week. Um, as always, we appreciate it greatly. Like we mentioned at the top of the show, if you like this show, consider writing a five-star review rating. Share it with folks. And if you listen a ton haven't subscribed, consider subscribing. That also helps us out as well. And if you want to partner with us financially, um, if you like the show, we kind of live in the uh, economy of you pay for what you like. Uh, We do this for free. But if four plus episodes of The Substance a Month is something of value to you and you want to become a monthly supporter, uh, check the anchor link in the show notes. Um, I've been saying for a while that you can sign up for any monthly amount. Currently, with our setup, you can sign up for $1 a month, $5 a month, or $10 a month. So um, we are working on the 21 and 21 campaign, and that's 21 supporters at $5 a month or more. If the substance is something you value, it brings you joy when it comes out, and you can kick us 5 10 bucks 10 a month, we would greatly appreciate that. It will help us do more with the substance. Or... Um, if monthly support is just not your bag, you don't feel comfortable with it, but you like what we do and you want to kick us a couple of bucks, we have our cash app at dollar sign, the substance pod. Uh, we just got another hit this week. Um, and it's cool on cash app. If you send us some one-time stuff on cash app for a particular reason, let us know in the notes. We had a really encouraging, uh, we had a listener this week, send us some money to say, Hey, I really appreciated x thing about y episode and it was just really nice to know so um that is how you can support the show follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at the substance pod there you can interact with us we talked a lot about the good samaritan and kind of the implications of that and this is to spark discussion so please let us know what you thought about this particular episode or any episodes in the past um hit us up in our comments section also this is where we're going to have our substance shout out so that way you have links to that um and this is where we're gonna uh, have our guests um and our giveaways so if you want to participate in those definitely follow us so you can see that in your feed and if you want to engage with us but maybe not directly on our page you can always make a post and tag us in it, um, the Substance Pod. So interact with us on social media. Mm. You can reach Philip Vincent and myself at our email, thesubstancepod at gmail.com. And just being real with y'all this week, I, I don't know that we've done this before, but I'd ask, as you think of it, if if you would pray for the Substance, 
and pray for the church. And if there are ways that you're praying for us, praying for the church, I'm just, my heart is burdened by the deception that's going on to twist the word of God in this way. And I just, I just would love for y'all to join us in prayer in that. And if mm-hmm. there are ways that you're doing so, write us an email, let us know. That would encourage our hearts. You can send us a voice note. You can actually hear your voice uh, on our phone line at 913-703-3883. And if you did that, that would be super encouraging to us because honestly, all these yeah. things really do need to be bathed in prayer uh, and the church needs prayer. And, um, you know, the the Lord will, will honor that and we got to have faith in that. So I just appreciate y'all, as many of you guys who are doing that um, already, I just appreciate your partnership in that. And uh, we will look forward to seeing you next week. On The Substance. Peace. Trevor, a little inside stuff. Is this what it should be? Because this looks frozen. Oh, don't worry, bro. Okay. Hey, you tell me not to worry. I won't worry. I just want to make sure that I don't need to worry. Ready? Watch. Ready? Huzzah. Cool. All right. Then here we are in the body of the podcast. It's like uh, when you have that seminary guy, student, or the first sermon. He's like, he's like, so to for introductory introduction, (laughs) he's like, for my first point, the meaning, (laughs) and for my second point, and then to conclude, and then to conclude, it's like, okay, we can all check out. It's like, oh, yeah, concluding, cool, 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 see you later. Oh, is it lunch? It's lunchtime already. All right, peace out.